This morning, I'm going to be looking at Psalm chapter 112. Zowie Malawi. <laughs> Heading there tomorrow. Yeah, looking forward to it. One of the preparations that I feel like I've been making in my heart was when you go in and you've lived in much more wealth than anyone you'll meet there, how do you, how do you enter that culture and not uh, misuse the people or assume inappropriate things? Or in some ways even what can you learn that would be valuable? And so I, I've been chewing on that and I felt like one of the Psalms that the Lord brought to my mind was Psalm 112, and I've never really looked at it very earnestly before. And so I want to walk through that this morning. I've been chewing on it for a couple months. And uh, one of the things that, that happens in this psalm is that he addresses wealth in alignment with righteousness, which oftentimes we will separate such things. And yet, um, for some of us, when we're, when we're coming into the Lord and we're growing and that's being passed on from family to family, there is an increased well-being about you that affects your mind and emotions, your physical health, your financial well-being. And, uh, you know, so how do you cope with that or what do you do? And this psalm addresses some of that. Um, when I was growing up, we were basically, and the church group as a whole that I was in, were second and sometimes third generation Christians, but weren't very far out of the gutter, so to speak. And it deeply influenced the way that we saw things. And also, for us, there was uh, just kind of this... Uh, Constant theology that thought, well, Jesus might come any day. That was a, a continuous part of our thinking. Might be tonight, might be tomorrow, might be next week. Can't be long. Never hit the year 2000, much less where we are now. But obviously, that stretched out. And so I'm looking at things now, and, and I'm looking even like, and my grandkids, in some measure, some of them have uh, already have six generations of godly people in attachment with their lives. And the goal is, and you know, what you begin to recognize more and more is you want a successful transfer of not only your hope in Christ and the values that you hold to the next generation, but you want to do it in such a way that they're capable of taking it to that next generation as well, and the one beyond it. So, you know, it's, it's the thing of how do, we, how do we extend this thing and keep it rolling in a positive direction? You know, so in, in our thoughts, it isn't just about surviving the day. It's not just about living to the night where Christ may come. But it's looking and saying, how do I intentionally develop and invest in my life that this thing can, can flourish for a number of years. And I think that this Psalm 110 
addresses some of that. And so I want to go through it. There are, there are some things that I see that at times we treat as paradoxes, but they aren't necessarily so. We, we often look at how can you fear the Lord and love Him at the same time? You know, it's addressed in this first verse. Praise the Lord. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who greatly delights in His commandments. So what do you want me to do? Fear Him or delight? Well, it doesn't have to be separate. There is an attachment of both. Um, the easiest example is in the sense of looking at a parent and saying, they have an authority over a child, which at times the child fears. They don't want to do wrong and, and face the wrath, so to speak, or punishment. But at the same time, there is this knowledge that they are loved by this individual, deeply loved. In the same way in our relationship with God, we recognize them as authority over our lives. And so there is a respect and a fear that says, he has power to change my life in any moment. But at the same time, there's this knowledge that he loves me deeply and he understands my life better than I do and he makes preparation in ways that I could never do. I always find this that after, you know, I've addressed a sin in my life and I've finally been willing to, to look at it for what it is and, you know, there's this horror and, and shock that I could be so profane. It, you know, and, I, and I, I go to God, and it's like, well, how did this happen? And you know, why? And it's like, I'm realizing he's not surprised at all. If anything, he's allowed me to walk into a situation where I finally see things as they are. But what he does with it is he's already made provision to help me move away from it. And he's always, already, you know, through his... His death and resurrection, he's brought forgiveness, but he's also prepared a way for me to walk into health and well-being in him. And so, you know, I can look and say, I'm shocked, I, I, I'm surprised. And he's going, yeah, you weren't too bright in this area. But I, I, I knew it for what it was, you know. And, and there's a beauty to that and, and a, a celebration that, I'm in his care and in his hands, even though I may not understand what's going on. And so in that regard, I can fear and love him at the same time. It's interesting, the verse previous to this in, in chapter 111, it says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All those who practice it have a good understanding. His praise endures forever. It ties those things together. Maybe these two psalms were used together because it seems to flow from one to the next. But addressing that and just to say, you know, the consistency that we see in creation, the laws of nature that we trust every day to be the same, it's the same in all of life, the way he's developed things and, and ordained it so that once we find how he's developed things, and once we find what his law is, there's a delight because we can use that for our lives. It actually benefits us. It moves us in a positive direction. Every time we fight that, we find ourselves in trouble. Every time we go against that, we find ourselves running into roadblocks and dead ends and things that, that we can't control or things that didn't turn out the way we thought. It's because we perceive too short. You know, we just don't, 
We don't look far enough down the road. We don't see enough of the detail to understand what's going on. That's the privilege of having one who understands it all speak into our lives. Let's go on. Verse 2, it says, His offspring will be mighty in the land. The generation of the upright will be blessed. You and I are used to thinking about eternity, but there is also a longevity attached to the life that's lived in righteousness. And in this case, the psalmist is looking and saying, there's a generational thing that goes on. In other words, a righteous life sets up the next generation. And he's going to hit these things, and then he's going to revisit them again. Part of the the writing style of the psalms is to to use repetition for things that were important to him. So he's not going to say the same words, but it's the same principles that he's going to be addressing at least a couple times in this psalm. It says, wealth and riches are in his house, and his righteousness endures forever. So again, here's something that we're not necessarily used to hanging on to, the idea that wealth can be used in a positive fashion or it won't harm our lives but rather can be used appropriately for, the, for the, the goodness of the kingdom of God. And it can actually be used in a way that, that exalts and lifts up when done in his way. Now, obviously, if we, if we are seeking to accumulate and, and we're building around our own selfishness, that's destructive, isn't it? If we're using vain methods like flattery to get us somewhere and into situations, that's that's wretched. But what happens when you are living in a righteous fashion and you aren't wasting everything? There is an accumulation that takes place, right? And what we have to, to wrestle through is like when Jesus teaches it's harder for a rich man to go through the eye of a needle than our camel to go through the eye of a needle. Uh, it's better when I write these down because I, I slaughter them. But, yeah, it's up there. That's what I meant to say. Uh, when, we, when we balance that with this, Psalm 112, there's, a, there's an opportunity for us to round out our view. Now, if we use just that verse in, that Jesus is using, we're saying, is that a literal statement or is that hyperbole? Hyperbole is a nice word. Is it overstatement or exaggeration, right? Well, he uses camel in hyperbole in another passage in Matthew, and we think nothing of it. When he's talking about the seven woes of Matthew 23, and he's talking to religious leaders, and he goes, uh, you'll strain a gnat and eat a camel. Were they literally eating camels? No. But he's making a point. So in the same way, he, he has just gotten done with dealing with a rich man. He said, you need to give away your wealth. And the guy leaves him sad. He's, he's not into that. And he's going, how can I retain and still serve you? Rather than say, how can I serve you and then let you do what you want with this? So... That said, when we wrestle through these passages, this idea of righteousness and wealth being tied together, it's, it's valuable to look at and say, what do you want for my life? How does it guarantee you're going to get rich? No. 
Is it a promise? of? No. But it's, it's one of those things that you may have to walk through. Pity you. <laughs> Let's go on. I, I want to, uh, to look at some of these New Testament passages. Remember that Jesus was buried in a rich man's tomb? Joseph of Marathathia. Now, if he had had a, just a preset in his heart that nobody wealthy can serve the Lord, why would he choose a rich man's tomb or allow that even to be? Now, I know it fulfills a prophecy of Isaiah 53, but um, they wouldn't have had to put it in there if they didn't want to, right? And, and so even in that, God used that moment and, and used that person. What about Barnabas? In the New Testament, he sells a field, brings a, the, the wealth to the church so it can be used. God uses things like that. But there's a tension in our lives of saying, okay, I don't want to be just preoccupied about wealth. That would be short-term and nearsighted, wouldn't it? But at the same time, I keep seeing my life flourish as I serve him. It's appropriate. First uh, John. Don't love the world or the things of the world. Anyone that loves the world, the love of the Father is not in them. You have this choice. You, you make that choice. But Paul, in dealing with these issues in regard to wealth, takes this approach. He says, as for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, which is a tendency, right? Don't set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches. In other words, we put a lot of weight on such things, saying, my security, all I can do is get a few more dollars and everything will be good. No, that's not where your security is, and it never will guarantee your safety, so to speak. He says, God richly provides us with everything to enjoy. So he says, again, you have to recognize, who's the one that puts this into your hands? Who is the one that, that equips you and, and enables you to have this? It says, it's, for the rich, it's, they are to do good and be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future, so they may take hold of that which is truly life and light. What, what Paul begins to address and says, you want to handle this properly, then learn generosity. You want to walk with this and not be overcome by it, then you learn how to distribute it as God sees fit. You hold it loosely, in other words. He may ask you to hold it for a time. He may also ask you to give of, of what you have. Let's go back to um, Psalm 112. It says, light dawns in the darkness for the upright. He is gracious, merciful, and righteous. So he makes us declarations about the righteous. He says, they're a gracious people. And so then we look at ourselves and we say, is graciousness a characterization of my life or not? Fair question, right? I mean, all of us go, I'm righteous, of course I'm righteous. I'm here, aren't I? <laughs> it's, it's a little harder to, to go and say, does graciousness mark the way that I deal with others? 
Is there a, 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 do I treat them with favor? Do I, I, am I considerate in that way? And he goes on, and he also lists merciful and just. Yeah. We'll get just a little bit later. It's coming. (laughs) It says, It is well with the man who deals generously and lends, who conducts his affairs with justice. So he's saying God is blessing and he's pouring out this even for generations. But how do we do this in such a way that it keeps going? And how do we do this in health? And he says, we cultivate certain things about our lives that will be temperamental of us or part of our character. And really, we're not being called to anything that God doesn't do himself. We're being called to act like he acts. And so when it says, he's going to deal generously and lend. You know, I have one thing to say to you. If you lend to others... Do with the idea that you might not get it back. It's a lot easier. Because every now and then, you won't. And it's a bitter pill in the moment, but it's a whole lot easier if you go into it saying, well, this might not return. Even if it hurts. It's often worth it. But it's still that mindset that says, whether it ever comes back or not, This is not the measure of my life. He says he conducts his affairs with justice. There's an interesting verse in Proverbs regarding lending, and I'll just mention it. Whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will repay him for his deed. So if if you step into a relationship that way, view it as an opportunity of giving to God. And it's a little bit easier if God says, "Nah, I'm not giving it back. I'll do it in other ways. It's okay. It's okay. Because he's good. And what he does exceeds anything that we could ask. The interest will be paid. But it may not come back in the form of what you lent. Verse 6. For the righteous will never be moved, and he will be remembered forever. Longevity is being mentioned in this psalm. And that's part of what I, I, I was drawn to as I was looking at it, where so often we're caught up in, I, I just, well, for you guys, i got to get through this next week with finals, right? Just got to survive finals. Don't care what happens after that. Uh, well, life's a little bit longer than next week. I just <laughs> encourage you, you know. There's the whole summer. No. <laughs> then we don't know. But uh, no, it's, in the Lord, there's a stretching out. So it's not just this leap from next week to eternity. But we look at it and say, he will be with me my entire life. And if I live this thing right, he is going to be with my progeny or the children through their lives as well. So when we, we're, we're looking, we're looking at long-term issues. And when we talk about developing vision, the vision needs to be more than just the abbreviated 
I hope we have a good lunch today. Right? I do. It's true. But, I mean, it's got to be longer. And, and we tend to just push it all in. It says, he is not afraid of bad news. His heart is firm, trusting in the Lord. His heart is steady. And here's another one of those things. You know, adversity, bad news. Well, obviously you have to dip, right? <laughs> no. It says if, if you're anchored in your trust of the Lord strong enough, it's like you just are resolute. You continue to walk through because you know that he is good for you. You know that this is temporary you know that it won't last. And so you just keep marching with that trust and confidence of the Lord. His heart is steady. He'll not be afraid until he looks in triumph on his adversaries. He's distributed freely. He is given to the poor. So again, here's a restatement of what we've already looked at. His righteousness endures forever, and his horn is exalted in honor. Whenever you see this term horn in the Old Testament, it's kind of weird, right? I mean, what? But if you had been around animals all your life, there was an awareness that you didn't let animals with horns just get behind you or, you know. There is a certain danger attached to that, right? There's a certain power associated with that. And so in the Old Testament, they took that term and said, you know, that's in a sense a sign of authority and power and might. And so, you know, the, the power of a person's life, it's like they have a horn. And, and so that's how they used it. Obviously, we have different meanings for that word, and it's very strange when we read it. But that's what they were getting to in this particular passage. It's exalted in honor. The wicked man sees and is angry. He gnashes his teeth and what melts away. He says it's not sustainable. The desire of the wicked will perish. So anyway, in walking through that, I encourage you to look long-term in the Lord. This life and eternity. We're not just living in the moment and then hoping for eternity. We are looking and saying, establish the work of our hands in this life and eternity. Okay, why don't you stand with me? Lord, I pray that as we've looked at this passage that again, it'll draw our hearts to things that you would have us to consider. I pray specifically for these students going out this summer that you will give them vision for years to come. That you'll give them the ability to see what your desires are for their hearts. Help them to discern what character traits need to be developed within them to put them in good stead for years. I pray, Lord, that you will just guide them in that. For each of us, Lord, bring to mind the things that we can do that will honor you in this lifetime and on through. Amen.
Okay, I'm um, going to pray for God's blessing upon you in just a moment. Uh, I'll give you a brief cap of what we're going to be doing. Shar and I, Michael and Denise, are heading to Malawi. There's a 12-hour time difference. Four days of travel to get there, two days to travel back. Uh, go figure. Um, but once there, uh, we're going to go to a very impoverished country where people regularly spend a good share of their day just trying to get enough water and food to survive. And we're talking many hours. Um, we're going to be working at an AIDS orphanage where currently some of the kids are almost 20. Their dream is to have them be able to get to 30 before they die. So there's, you know, mortality is near. It's just that the hope is to take care of them to a place that they can live that long. Um, so we'll be working with those kids and then we're going to go out into different areas and do some pastoral training which uh, is kind of a crazy thing but we'll uh, gals will be working with the gals guys will be working with the guys but what we do is we'll provide a, a meal and enough wages so they don't lose that day's food for their children basically and uh, then we'll spend a time in fellowship and whatever. And they do community in ways that we're not even used to. We're um, in their little towns. They, they, their decisions are much more group decisions. And so it'll be fascinating to participate in that and see it. And just to acknowledge again that joy in the Lord has nothing to do with what you have. You know, that's something I've seen every time I've gone out. It's like... There are happy people that have nothing, you know, and you're realizing uh, I put way too much energy into this. But pray with us, if you will, that things go well and that, uh, that God work through us in, in mighty ways. That's our desire and our heart in this. Then finally, my dream is that we would continue to send families there over the next years. So trying to hopefully set that up and see that happen. May your blessing rest on these, your people. May they know the fullness of favor that you intend for their lives, both in the current and in the future. I pray, Lord, as each one goes into the community, that you'll give them words of life to speak over others. And as we've looked at this passage, allow them a generosity of life that pours into others. We ask, too, that you'll enable them with the supernatural. Be lifted up and exalted, we pray. We love you this day. Amen. Amen. God bless you.